So if this uh, passage seems vaguely familiar, it should. I preached from it in June of 2020, but as I looked at the lectionary passages for this Sunday, I felt that this passage, this message bears repeating. It seems to me that social discourse is spinning more out of control today. People are saying and writing things that are destructive and terrible and mind-boggling. So while James addressed only the tongue, since he was writing to a largely preliterate people, I think that today he would probably also address things people say in writing. Let me give you an example. Shelby Rogers is a United States tennis player who lost in the third round of the U.S. Open to the eventual champion. She opined this week, if only social media didn't exist, I will have nine million death threats and such. I'm probably a fat sow in words I can't say right now. Because she lost a tennis tournament, people feel free to call her names and even threaten her life. You don't have to look far to read and hear all kinds of other destructive speech. Racist comments, vitriolic words against those people, remember who were also created in the image of God. Folks trolling social media to make nasty, hurtful comments, often to people they don't know and never will. And you have to wonder, what's become of us? As Jesus was summarizing the law of God, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And James is writing to a congregation to help them understand what that means. He wants them to understand what a powerful tool our words are. They can build up, but they can also destroy. So if we are truly loving our neighbors as ourselves, we must be careful that we use words in judicious, life-giving ways. If we're honest, most of us enjoy praise and thanksgiving for others, right? But the truth is one disparaging remark can wipe out the effects of a thousand helpful words. The same is probably true of the other people in your life. James begins by addressing would-be teachers. But I think that we've come to realize, what we've come to realize is that many people who aren't officially teachers are teaching life lessons even they don't realize. I was talking about this sermon this week with my friend and colleague, Leanne, and she told me a story from her childhood that is powerfully illustrative of this fact of how we teach even when we're not meaning to teach. She said, my five-year-old sister and my six-year-old self were living in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and had walked down to the nearby five-and-dime store to buy our mother a Christmas gift. As we examined a cookie jar that caught our eye, a woman next to us who had been examining salt and pepper shakers, cups and saucers, ceramic angels, suddenly shoved something back on the shelf and said loudly, this is all from Japan. It's all junk. She said, I now have a better understanding of anti-Japanese sentiment in Hawaii at that time, that period of time. But at the time, her remarks gave me pause. We looked at the cookie jar we had decided to buy, and sure enough, made in Japan. Were we buying our mother a piece of junk? 
But there's another level to the story, she continues. You see, she said, I was born in Japan. And the joke in my Navy family was that I'd been made in Japan. They even teased me that it was stamped on my bottom. It had all been good-natured kidding, but because I was a pretty insecure little girl, I had to wonder, in light of those women's comments, was I junk? Fortunately, the lesson that teacher taught me that day was countered by other teachers over the years. All that to say that words matter. The tongue is a powerful thing. It can set the world, or at least someone's world, ablaze and destroy things in its wake. But it's not easy to tame the tongue. I know this. It's a small but powerful thing, like the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder on a ship. It can steer things in a certain direction toward good or not so good. James says to control, that to control the tongue is not an easy thing, but with God's help, we can certainly try. It's interesting that there is so much in the Bible about the power of words. Many of the Proverbs address the contrast between speech of the wise and the speech of the unwise. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 10, 19, The more talk, the less truth, the wise measure their words. Proverbs eleven twelve, It is foolish to speak scornfully of others. If you are smart, you will keep quiet. Proverbs 13.3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. And finally, Proverbs 15.28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Elsewhere in the book of James, he cautions us to be slow to speak. We need to listen more. Perhaps then we have a better idea of what needs to be said. And when, in fact, we should hold our tongue or our fingers, as the case may be. You know, not only do our words affect other people, but they also affect our own person. Sometimes the words we use with ourselves are not very loving or kind. And counselors have seen many times over that if you change the language of a person, you actually change the person, change the words, change the person. So many of us these days find ourselves critical, complaining, fault-finding. The words we use with others and the words we use with ourselves are destructive. It's interesting that one of the most effective tools therapists have found to help people enjoy a better life is to live in gratitude. Be thankful. Give praise. When we look for the good, when we focus on the gifts when we replace negativity with attention to the positive, life is better for us and for everyone else. Find life-giving words and use them lavishly. Now, we have to be careful here to understand James clearly. He is not saying that we should simply keep quiet all the time. He's not saying if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Because sometimes the tongue must be used to speak truth in love. Sometimes we are called to speak truth that we really don't want to say. 
but, but it's something that needs to be said. When we see injustice, we are to speak out. When we witness abuse, we are to name it for what it is. When we watch bigotry in action, we need to be bold enough to call people out and ask them to think about what they're doing. Jesus actually modeled that for us. Think of all the difficult words that Jesus had to speak throughout his ministry. Reverend McGrade de Vega says he told a rich man that his addiction to money was preventing him from entering the kingdom of God. He told one of his closest friends that he wasn't as loyal as he thought he was going to be. He told a crowd of religious leaders that they were in direct opposition to the will of God. He told an angry crowd that their anger against a sinful woman should have been channeled against their own sins. He said he was God's son, and he died because of it. Using our words in the ways God intended is not always easy. Sometimes it can be painful. Naming sin, others, our own, doesn't come naturally to us. We need the help of the Spirit to recognize and empower us to use our words to make God's world as it is intended to be. In other words, we should think and pray about the things we say and write to ensure that we are using this powerful tool that God gave us in the proper ways. God gave us a tongue to express praise and thanksgiving and to name the things that we need to be about correcting. What if this week we try a little homework assignment? What if when we catch ourselves with negative words coming out from our thoughts or our lips or our fingertips, we replace them with celebration and gratitude? What if we think about the words we hurl at others and ask ourselves, is this what God intended? Is this the best use of my God-given ability to speak? As one writer put it, our words ought to be healing words. They ought to bring grace and peace. They should build up and not tear down. Heal rather than kill. Encourage rather than discourage. Then we can truly join the psalmist in saying, let the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks be to God. Amen.